Yeah, and I think there are so many directions you can take with real estate as well. Different strategies to invest, different markets, all of that sort of stuff. Um, we actually just joined a mastermind, which is sort of a similar concept um, that has some one-on-one coaching as well as some group coaching. And I think, you know, in addition to that accountability, there's also you know, being around other people who are doing the things that you want to do, just like fans the the fire of what what we're doing and to see other people like take down huge deals and to be able to really ask them, like, how did you do that? Like, could we partner with you? Um, that proximity is really powerful. And I think that success leaves clues, right? And so if you're able to, um, you know, talk to people who have done it and, and follow in their footsteps, um, it can take some of the, the mystery and the pressure out of trying to figure it out on your own. You're listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast. We're not here to bruise your bananas with guru sales pitches, overrated fluff, or any other kind of monkey business. We simply provide the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. The husband and wife combo in the same house? Almost. Yeah. <laughs> Almost married, not married. Not married yet? Okay. Yeah. Sorry if that was a touchy subject. All right. No. <laughs> no, so how uh, how's the day going? What do you guys got going on? Just another work day. Yeah, yeah. you know, just living that W two life, trying to get out from under it. But. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the W two life for you, Amanda? Um, so I am a consultant at a big four accounting firm. Okay, and Javier, I work at Amazon. At Amazon distribution center or like from home? Uh, corporate. 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 Job. What's that job entail? Um, I do a lot of work in the seller space, understanding the profitability. So I work for the the team that sets the fees uh, worldwide. Okay, gotcha. Is that an at home job, W two job, flexible, or is it both? You at pretty home, flexible. At home flexible, but just very mentally taxing. No physical work, but it's a lot of mental mental work. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually, you know, during this pandemic, we've both been thankful to be able to work from home um, full time. And so we kind of took advantage of that and moved to Cleveland for six months where we've been here investing in real estate and kind of establishing our our business here. Um, and we actually go back to Seattle this Friday. So our six months are are up. Yeah. And uh, OK, so you moved over there just for a brief period of time yes what brought it was it work that brought you there or was it real estate real estate real estate real estate yeah. okay so we took advantage of the work from home uh time period so i want to ask you before we get into your next step um you know as you guys are going from single family to the smaller units back to kind of the market research you said you're back in seattle our team is big on market research and choosing the right markets and and using data to do that so how did you guys kind of sift through all the markets and what drew you to the Cleveland market? So at, at that point, I was only looking at single family homes because that's what I was trained to do. Um, so I just jumped on, you know, Redfin and Zillow and, you know, looked at market comps and analyzed the, the school districts and, you know, proximity to grocery stores and stuff like that. In every market I was in, I, I would start with like the high schools, look at how, the, how well rated the high schools were. I would look at taxes um, didn't get deep enough into like insurance, but like just taxes, school districts, 
um, you know, fluctuation of, of uh, housing prices over time and then just doing some rent comps. And then I, that was like my quick strike. And I would look at maybe five to 10 houses um, per, per market. I'm just doing a high level analysis. And then, you know, I, I did that for maybe 15 or so markets, maybe 20, I don't, a lot. And then yeah. when you went over to Cleveland, you got the single families, um, you brought Amanda on board with you. How was that? Amanda, were you in real estate prior to meeting Javier? Yeah, um, I've always been interested in real estate. My mom is a real estate agent, so I grew up, you know, kind of in that world thinking about real estate. Um, and before we met, I had actually purchased a single family home in Montana as a rental where I grew up and my my parents lived there and they own some property there as well. So um you know, talking about market research for me, when I, when I made that first investment, it was more just the comfort of that market, knowing that my parents were there. Um, they could kind of help me property manage a little bit. Um, and I wasn't really thinking about cash flow necessarily. It was more of a long-term, um, appreciation type of play. And then when we started chatting about different markets and I realized, um, the rent to purchase price ratio in Cleveland, um, and that just kind of blew my mind because it was so different than, you know, how I was traditionally used to thinking about, um, you know, real estate and investing as a strategy and, and this concept of cash flow. Um, I was like, Oh, that's, that's where it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So coming to Cleveland, you know, I think, um, Cleveland is a very, um, it's got a diverse job market, which is great. And, you know, it's really supported also by that healthcare industry. Industry, which is, you know, quite recession proof um, and resilient. The, you know, as I said, the, the rent to purchase price ratio is really favorable here. Um, and I think, you know, other, other, there's so many types of data you could look at when you're analyzing a market. And so you kind of, I think, have to pick, you know, the handful that give you the the warm fuzzy feeling about the market but you know you want to make sure that your tenants can pay the rent that you're going to be asking for so what is the median income and um what is the median income in the specific area that you want to invest in not just the overall you know broader um you know metropolitan area but like what is the zip code you, know, you can you can get down to that level of detail and i think that that's important to do to make sure that your investment is going to sustain itself absolutely yeah we actually use city citydata.com has yes. all that information where you can dive into submarkets all the way down to the zip code uh, because like like you guys are saying, you can go into Cleveland, but Cleveland has a ton of submarkets. And just That's like okay. any any big city, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly inside of that market. So what made you decide to actually move over there? Well, I don't know that we would have made that you know decision if we hadn't already been working from home. And the fact that we could maintain our, our full-time jobs and also um, you know come here and kind of take advantage of that. Uh, I think, you know, the circumstances were just, were just right for that. And I think we felt like 
we need to be there in person in order to establish our network, um, in order to see these properties that we want to invest in, um, and you know, to be able to look at them right away as soon as they're uh, you know available to see, um, and just to make decisions quicker. You know, I think you were successful initially, um, you know, doing it remotely, but being here in person and being able to meet people face to face, and um, as much as COVID allowed us to do that. Just we felt like that was the key to accelerating what we wanted to do and, and learning. Um, so you know we're getting a, we're paying for the for the learning, meeting the tenants, seeing the places firsthand, doing some of the work ourselves. Um, so you know we wanted to learn everything, and then we can decide where we wanted to focus our time. Obviously, a lot of people learn when they do that. You know, spending time dealing with tenants and toilets is not. A great use of our time. There's a lot of uh, better qualified people and lower cost people who are willing to do that. Uh, so, are so you are you using property managers now? When you leave, you, obviously you have somebody in place. Yes. Yeah. Did so, you have them in place before you came over, or was it more of I'm going to come here and I'm going to find the best ones before I leave? Exactly. How did, the, you, how did you get? How many did you interview, and how did you find? How did you figure out who was the right one? Um, um, I spoke to maybe I think probably 15, 15 or to twenty. And different ones. Uh, we didn't, we, we didn't we go from the same list. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, initially when we came here, our, our thought maybe naively was we'll just manage the properties ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll fix all the things that are broken. We'll learn how to, um, hang cabinets and fix toilets and, you know, do all of those things. Um, and we did, we, we did, we did. <laughs> and then we kind of looked at each other and we're like, we're in way too deep here. Well, it was when we asked the contract. So we did have contractors helping us out. And, you know, we just, I asked the question like, Hey, how much do you charge for this? How much do you charge for that? And we were blown away how cheap it is. Mm -hmm. And and they were doing great work. And we said, we're wasting our time uh, doing yeah. this stuff. Yeah. And in fact, we were do like, you know, we, we patched up a ceiling and yeah. I just think about, you know, I spent a whole day doing a that. Whole day. And this contractor was like, I would have charged you $50 to fix that. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what, uh, and we learned that the hard way too. Cause when I first had my first properties, I did everything. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm paying this 10% management yeah. fee. I'm going to keep that money in pocket. I'm going to do everything myself, but you got to realize that, like you said, you spent a whole day patching up a roof. Well, that whole day could have spent ne been networking with other people to find other properties and, exactly. and research markets and go after that next deal and let the experts handle what they're good at. The contractors right. are good at patching up roofs and the property managers are good at managing properties. Uh, you just got to mm -hmm. find the right one and give them the freedom to do their job. But the mm -hmm. challenge is finding the right one. That's why I was asking about the property manager, because you guys are about to leave Cleveland and leave all these properties in the hands of this one person. What do you have in place to kind of keep your thumb on him or her, the property manager, to make sure that they're being operated the way you want to be operated? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we interviewed as many uh, property management companies and individuals as, as we could and kind of landed on the one that we felt the most comfortable with. I don't think you know, anyone's going to manage your property the way that you would manage your property. You know, you have that personal vested interest in it, obviously. Um, but I think that having a bit of time where we're still here and able to drive by the properties and kind of keep them accountable has been a, a good transition, you know, and we're 
we're able to kind of see the work that they've done. And I, I don't know that we ever want to be completely hands off in that process. I do think that there is a little bit of managing your property manager and just checking in and you want to have a good relationship with them so that you've got, you know, clear and open communication and, and all of that. And I think, you know, to, to some degree, it's a little bit of, you know, we're putting our trust in him and we'll see how it goes. And maybe it turns out terribly and we have to pick somebody else, but that's also part of the learning experience as well. You know, and I know you had a property manager um, for a little while before we moved here and there were lessons learned as well in terms of, you know, the quality and communication and things like that. So um, it's, it's a learning process. I think we feel as comfortable as we, as we, as we possibly can. Um, and we'll just, you know, we're not, um, we will come back to Cleveland periodically. We're not totally like leaving. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll have ways to keep track and, you know, manage that process. We've talked to other investors. So there, yeah, there's no surefire way that, you know, even though we spoke to, you know, when we talk and, and try to vet other property managers, we go through different scenarios. Like, what would you do in this scenario? What would you do in that scenario? What if somebody, you know, what if you put somebody in a, in a unit and they stop paying rent, we have to evict them. Are you still going to charge the fee? You know, and then you go through the list of fees and, you know, who their contractors are and what kind of, how many properties they manage. And, you know, after you go through all those things, they may have given you all the, or told you the things that you wanted to hear. But when it comes down to, you know, doing those things, doing them well and doing them consistently, I would love to say that, you know, that our current property manager is an all-star, but I, there's still things, you know, that could be improved. And that's something conversations we're going to have with him uh, yeah. going forward. Well, and my advice to you guys and any other listeners out there that are starting out on this with property managers is that if it's not working, cut the cord quickly. It took me three years to finally get rid of my property manager on two of my properties that they they should have been performing, but I was so, you know, you get so nervous about the work it takes to fire a property manager, then go through the whole process again and find a new one and make sure that the right person, you're going to lose, you know, three months of income off of that, making that transition, but you got to have a bigger picture to say, if I get the right one in there. I'm not going to have to deal with this property manager any longer and keep losing on this property, take my hit for a few months and get the right person in there. So Mm -hmm. I hope you guys found the right person. It sounds like you did your due diligence, uh, interviewing 15 property managers is just, that's, that's awesome. The fact that you were over there and you moved from Seattle to Cleveland to get your hands on these properties and keep your eyes on them and your thumb on them. Um, I think they're going to perform, but you know, like you said, you never know. So getting out of single family, like you guys said, you guys want to get into larger multifamily properties. What sparked your interest to multifamily? You know, we have nine units here and we were driving through different units, different tenants needed, you know, like a a faucet was leaking in one place. Then there's somebody else needed a door hung and, you know, we were driving all around town and we were saying to us i like that's you know we'd read it in books and we had done heard other podcasts talking about it but it's just like you know what if what if we didn't have to drive all over town what if all of our units were in one place wow that would be great like that was just such a simple realization but we we had to learn that lesson the hard way where are you yeah. at in that process, finding the big one? Um, we've submitted some LOIs. You know, we've walked uh, a few buildings. Um, we do have um, a network of contractors that we trust. So some of the, the buildings um, that are coming up or deals that are coming up are more on the distressed side. 
um, where, you know, that's part of the, the value add. So we, we have made um, pretty, pretty good connections. We found some contractors we trust um, to take down those deals. And then we've connected with uh, brokers here in this, in this market, you know, consistently looking at deals, asking for, you know, the T12, the rent roll, underwriting, um, and then we've also developed uh, a network of potential JV partners for, for those larger deals. So we understand that we don't have, uh, depending on the deal size, we don't have all the cash that would be necessary. Um, so we, we do have partners. Um, and then we're filling out um, that the, all the partners with the financing partners. So we're, we're, one thing we still have to do is just um, maybe build stronger connections with some traditional banks and hard money lenders. Yeah. So what's your criteria for uh, the multifamily? What do you guys, are you looking for a certain unit size, uh, class ABC, you looking for the value add? What's the criteria that you guys have in place? Yeah, I think, it, you know, we're looking for, I would say 20 units and up. Um, class C value add opportunity. Um, you know, we, we are not afraid of, a little bit of rehab, but, you know, we don't want to go into something that's, you know, we actually did evaluate a deal here in Cleveland where um, a couple of the units had been burned down. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're, we're open to something like that potentially, but um, you know, some, some light rehab value add. I think the challenge with this particular market, and I know we're seeing it everywhere is just the expectations of sellers and what they're going to be able to get for their properties. And sometimes we've evaluated a, a number of properties here where, um, you know, the, the building needs a lot of work and it's actually half vacant and the seller thinks he's going to get top dollar <laughs> for oh, yeah. that property. And so, um, it's just a little bit of a wild market right now. And, and we're really, you know, we're going to buy right. Um, you know, we're not going to do anything crazy just, just to make that purchase. We know what the, what the, what the value is and what the right criteria is. And um, especially if we're bringing on other investors as well, you know, it has to make sense from that perspective also. What's your process when you get a deal that hits your inbox? Do you guys have a process you go through to vet that deal or is it um, like you have a two minute analysis? How, how do you guys vetting the deals? Yeah, we, we can tell, um, you know, we've learned the different markets and what rents go for in different markets for, you know, one bedrooms, two bedrooms. Um, and then we look at, you know, just high level, what's the, um, the per unit uh, cost asking price. And so like that just tells us and then the next step is just depending on the neighborhood doing a, a tax analysis of, you know, what, what those are the three big components. What are rents? What are taxes? And what's the asking price per unit? high level. And then if we feel like there's, you know, some, some room or, if, you know, the deal could work, uh, then we get the, into the details, underwrite it, um, and go from there. You guys both underwrite the properties or is one of you the specialty specialized underwriter? She's, she's first. I have a little bit more. I, I like getting into the weeds of the spreadsheet a little bit more. And so I'll usually start that process and then we'll work together to kind of refine the assumptions and, you know, go analyze, you know, maybe what we think the rehab cost is or how much taxes are going to increase and all of that kind of stuff. But I usually get it started mm -hmm. um, after we've kind of done that initial analysis of like, is it worth the time to do that detailed uh, underwriting? And if it is, you know, then I'll, I'll usually get that started. Yeah. And don't worry, you guys are submitting LOIs. I'm sure you're getting 
your LOI is coming in way under the asking price. It's happening in the Southeast too. We, we're going through the same process of underwriting the property, coming up with the, uh, the offer that works best for us and our investors. And sometimes we're coming in, like you said, the seller's expectations are so high right now because the market's on fire. Yeah. Um, and all you can do is just keep to your set. You just keep to your criteria because you don't want to overpay because um, if you overpay, you're just not going to get the returns. And, That's right. and when you're going after your first apartment complex, like our team was, it's, you got to be careful. You want to make sure that you have a reputation for buying right and not mm -hmm. putting emotion into it just to buy something, to buy something because the numbers won't work and they won't cash flow like you want to. And especially when you're using other people's money, I mean, you got to be extra careful when you're using other people's money. So uh, the deal flow, you guys said that you met with brokers in Cleveland. How are you guys getting your deals? Yeah, that's the, that's for now. Um, or historically, that's how we've gotten our deals um, from local brokers. But then we're also in a transition now, just looking at valuations where, you know, I'm going to start going direct to sellers. So we uh, just got a subscription to Reonomy. I'm putting together a list and, and I'm going to start making phone calls and, and sending emails. So you're going to, you're going to do that, those calls yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Explain, uh, explain what Reonomy is for those. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, so it's, a it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a, uh, a Zillow imagine just like a collection of different, um, commercial real estate properties. Um, they don't only have multifamily, but you know, they have multi, uh, multifamily filter. And so it'll tell you, you know, the, the history of buyers, what they bought it for, um, if they got a mortgage, what's the amount of the mortgage, um, when is that mortgage expected to uh, mature? And, and so then you can, you know, based on different filters, you can select which um, sellers might be interested in selling who have sold, uh, maybe sold properties recently and have more to sell, or maybe they bought at a time when, um, you know, uh, values were, were much lower. Maybe they bought in like 2008, 2009, 2011. Um, and so now they would, you know, realize a bunch of appreciation if they sold to you, maybe not at the market rate or retail rate, um, but they'd still make plenty of profit. So, you know, there's room to negotiate. So you, you can um, set a, a bunch of filters, create a list, and, and it has the contact info for the, uh, the owner or the, or the group, or maybe even the property manager. And so you can start making some uh, phone calls. They may not, from what I've heard, always be the correct contact info, but you know, you just start churning through the list and, and, um, yeah, that's what it is. And you, have you started making those calls yet? Or you just got the subscription? <laughs> Not yet. So I, I'm starting to, we just got the subscription, looked at some properties, um, playing with the filters uh, and making a list. Um, the next step I'm going to do before I make a call is just like set up a script of, uh, you know, the main things that I want to ask, some follow-up questions, maybe some rebuttals, and then um, do a quick analysis on, you know, what are, what a reasonable offer would be for those properties. Okay. Gotcha. All right. I'm dialing it back because I wrote something down when you first uh, kind of were introducing what you guys got going on. You said you used a men you had a mentor. Mm -hmm. You uh, you don't have to name who it was, but you can if you want. Just tell me about what sparked you to get a mentor. How'd you find him or her? Just give us a story on on the mentorship side. Sure. Um, so two. So I found two different mentors. 
Um, one mentor I found on um, through a group called Varsity Tutors. So I was taking computer science. Um, I decided to go back to, to uh, college or get a, a second undergraduate degree in computer science. I'm a product manager, so I work with engineers, wanted to better understand them. So I, I took uh, courses at Oregon State University in computer science. And I went on varsity tutors to get tutoring in computer science. And um, I had some unused credits with them. And so I asked them if they had real estate uh, coaches or tutors. And so they connected me with a broker out of um, Chicago and he started uh, coaching me or providing like a supplemental mentoring for the single family um, uh, investments. And then the, the primary coach that I had, um, I found on Facebook. Uh, so his name's uh, Michael Wong. He's been investing in Dallas Fort Worth for the last 17 years. Um, very, very successful. He does, um, some burr, some flips and, um, and he, he's got a course. It's, you know, it, it's not a, a super high price course, but I think if I hadn't, um, found him as a mentor and learned some of the fundamentals of uh, real estate investing, whether it's, you know, single family or not, um, I think that was a, a great spark that got me started. Okay. Was this just one-on-one -on -one coaching? with you and Amanda, or was it just you have you? Uh, it was just me at that time. And it was, okay. um, he, he just had courses that were like, uh, kind of video courses. And then he has two meetings every week where, um, anybody who wants to join from the group can join and ask questions about, you know, specific property they found on Zillow or Redfin and, uh, or, or they can ask questions about different markets and, you know, uh, yeah. compare them. So and yeah. this obviously was a paid mentorship, correct? Paid for That's this. Right. Everything. Okay. And we went through, uh, we just had a mentor for six months and just some advice to everyone out there that if you are looking for a mentor, don't be afraid to open up the wallet and pay for one because they're not, their time is not free. The best ones out there, you're going to pay for their time. But what it did for our team was it just held us accountable. We had weekly meetings set up and we knew we were just moving brick by brick, brick, building this thing, moving the needle every day, having a meeting every Wednesday, getting a plan together. Okay, this is what we're going to do from Wednesday to Wednesday. And the mentor really just put his thumb on us and said, pointed us in the right direction. Because you guys put it in one of your bio here, your analysis paralysis, right? You get all this information, all these podcasts, all these books, all this Facebook stuff, this LinkedIn stuff, it's thrown at you. And there's this information in front of you. It's like, which direction do you take? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there are so many directions you can take with real estate as well. Different strategies to invest, different markets, all of that sort of stuff. Um, we actually just joined a mastermind, which is sort of a similar concept um, that has some one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as some group coaching. And I think, you know, in addition to that accountability, there's also you know, being around other people who are doing the things that you want to do, just like fans the the fire of what what we're doing and to see other people like take down huge deals and to be able to really ask them, like, how did you do that? Like, could we partner with you? Mm -hmm. um, that proximity is really powerful. 
And I think that success leaves clues, right? And so if you're able to, um, you know, talk to people who have done it and, and follow in their footsteps, um, it can take some of the, the mystery and the pressure out of trying to figure it out on your own. Could you figure it out on your own? Absolutely. But why would you want to if there are resources out there available um, that could just get you there that much quicker? And I think it is an investment. Absolutely. Yeah. The, and that's the, the thing other, with the, yeah. single family. the single family is kind of a, the lone wolf game, right? You can do single family by yourself the rest of your life. Yeah. But as soon as you start getting into larger multifamily, you're teaming up with other groups to, to take those properties down. That's what I love about multifamily. It's just this giant network of everyone competing for deals, but you find three or four other groups that you can get together with and take down a hundred unit deal together. And yeah. starting out as newbies with us as well, it's like, we're going to go find those experts. We're going to take the smallest piece of the pie we can and learn everything we can from them and be part of that deal. And that's what I love about multifamily. Javier, I interrupted you. Sorry, man. Go ahead. I oh, yeah. No, I just on the on the mentoring, you know, uh, part of it is making that investment um, makes you makes you deliver on your promise to yourself. So, you know, you were talking about, you know, can you learn it by yourself? Like you, you can go to the library and learn, you know, everything you would in a, in a four year degree. But like, would you if it's free or would you be more um, proactive about getting all the value you spent on that four year degree, knowing all the tuition that you paid? So you right. kind of demand that from your mentor and your coach, like, hey, I'm going to buy a house and you're going to you know show me one way or another because I paid you this tuition. That's it. Yeah. Just like buying a gym membership, right? You can have the yeah, treadmill yeah. at home that you bought that collects dust. Or if you're paying 50 bucks a month, you're man, like, ah, I better, I better go and do yeah. something. To <laughs> Absolutely. Get the right. To get the, get the money out of it. So, yeah. So what's next? You guys are going back to Seattle. What's, uh, What's the plan when you get back there? We were just talking about that. Um, so we we have met, you know, some people here who are boots on the ground. You know, I'm going to start making these calls to to potential prospects. Um, and so if if they want or if they're interested in in having us, you know, view the property, we we need people here, but that we trust. Um, we're going to take time out of their schedule, visit the property, take notes. Um, and, and participate all the way through, you know, deal execution. And even beyond that, if it needs construction or, you know, leasing, um, they're really going to be our, our partners here on the ground. So um, we have a, a few people um, here who we think uh, would fit the bill, but that's, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we own uh, nine units here in Cleveland now, <laughs> and our goal is to own 50 by the end of this year. So we've got, you know, it's maybe an ambitious goal, but I think we can do it. I think that's doable. So totally. 50, gotta, door, 50 doors, 50 yes. doors. Yeah, that's, totally. That could be one property, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I, what I like about what you guys are doing is you're, you're narrowly focused on one market. And when people start out, sometimes like, again, this analysis paralysis, you get all these markets around the United States and you start going, Oh, I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. It's impossible to build the network in each one of those cities. So focus like you guys did focus on the one market, do your research, make sure, get over there, see the market, create relationships. And then when you leave leverage all the relationships you made and keep focusing on that market. So I love that strategy for you guys. Cause you guys have built the nine units there. Um, you've got deal flow coming in, you've got contractors, you've got property managers, you've got boots on the ground. That's so important when you're investing outside of your market. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm not going to invest in Shreveport, Louisiana. I own two properties here already. No more money going into the city for me. It's just not the right market. So we focus 
on a couple markets in the I-10 corridor in Florida. And that's where we're building relationships. Anything outside of that is going to be deals that come from other GP groups. Like for yeah. example, in Lubbock, Texas, we got included on a, on a 119 unit deal in Lubbock. We didn't know anything about Lubbock. We weren't researching that market, but they came to us and said, hey, we need you to raise some capital. What we did is we did our research. We said, okay, tell me about Lubbock. Let me go do the data. It's the citydata.com, the neighborhood scout. Uh, then we vetted the deal. We vetted the GP group and we got in on that deal. But that wasn't our focus. That was just us networking, like you said, through Facebook and LinkedIn, telling people what we're doing, tell them what we're up to. And that buying group kind of just reached out to us and said, hey, would you like to look at this deal with us? But back to my point is if you're going to buy properties yourself, focus on one, maybe two markets starting out until you maybe grow, maybe you have a thousand units under your belt and you can start looking at other markets, but yeah. And that's, I think that's great advice. And I think that that really speaks to, you know, you were saying earlier, the power of multifamily being a team sport, right? Like we're experts in this market. We're going to focus on building deal flow here. When we find something, you know, we'll pull other team members in and vice versa. We've got other team, team members and people we know who are experts in their markets. And if they find something great, we're open to partnering on those deals as well, but we have to trust that they know what what that market is, is all about. And then if they can educate us on, you know, what's going on there and convince us that it's a great deal. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you guys have uh, so how do people find you? Do you guys have a website, uh, social media, how are you guys getting yourself out there? I was, so what I do is I just share my phone number and ask for people to reach out, um, give me a call, send me a text. Uh, so my phone number is 773-495-1747. Yeah. We're working on getting a, a website and all of those components built yeah. out, but you know, we'd love for people to network with us directly and we'll go through your phone number. <laughs> okay. All right. And then uh, you guys are on social media. Uh, what's the best platform? What's the main platform you guys are using to, to network on social media? Facebook. 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 Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. You guys are part of any Facebook groups at all, or how are you? Uh, Tons. Tons. Oh, all yes. U.S. All multifamily apartments, apartments, mastermind, all that, all of them. Syndication, U.S. Yeah, all yeah. of it. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. We've started a couple of groups ourselves, and again, it's just like overload. Like there's so many, and they're all, I'm sure, really good. But you just got to pick a few and and be active in there and keep networking in there. So. Uh, last thing I got for you guys. I mean, obviously you guys have some experience um, with the single family, some smaller multifamily, and you guys are going big. What do you, what advice do you have for people that are starting out that are newbies that were in your situation a year ago? So I would offer a couple of things. I think one, you know, right now the real estate market is, is a little bit crazy just with interest rates and supply and demand and, and all of that. It doesn't mean it's a bad time to invest, but I do think it's important to understand what is your deal criteria and to stick to that. Um, and I think along with that, I think action is, you know, one of the most important things that you can do. You learn a lot by doing, by submitting offers and walking properties, making those phone calls. Um, you know, you can educate yourself, uh, only to a certain extent, right. And then it comes time to put that into action and you're, you're just going to learn so much more by doing, but I just want to, you know, make sure that people have the, the, the cautious maybe mindset of understanding that this, the way the market dynamics are right now, like don't go buy something just to buy something, make sure that it really does meet, you know, what your investing goals are. Awesome. Cool. Um, I think my advice may be different. So I have two pieces of advice. I, I do think you should 
um, if, if you're starting out and you haven't purchased anything, um, I would say just uh, start making calls. So, so if you want to get in the commercial um, real estate game, just jump on LoopNet, find some properties, um, and just hit the contact button, call the broker, um, and introduce yourself, tell them why you're interested in the market and what you're looking for. I think if you did that, you know, 10 times every week, I think that's a good start. Um, and then separately, um, I would say if you're not ready to take something down by your, yourself, I, I would say just, um, be an LP, um, find a group of, uh, you know, investors that you trust, look up their track track record. Um, and make an investment and, and get paid to learn that way. Yeah. I love it. All right. Javier, what's that phone number one more time? Area code 773-495-1747. All right. There you guys have it. Amanda and Javier, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having us, Brandon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast, where we give you the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. Learn more at realfocus.org slash gorillastatepod.